Welcome to Exotic Pets. I'm Tracy Hotchner, whom you may know as the dog and cat lady, but I'm wearing a different hat here. With the brilliant assistance of my co-host, Dr. Doug Mater, the world-renowned veterinarian specializing in exotic animals, we're here to celebrate all the other pets that share people's lives. This show is for people interested in pets that slither, hop, creep, fly, or swim. From bunnies to iguanas, parrots to ferrets, snakes to tortoises. Dr. Doug is going to teach us the physical requirements of these exotic pets and how to manage the often challenging environments and correct diets essential to their welfare. Dr. Doug Mater is the author of The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. He is recognized worldwide as a veterinary specialist on exotics and is the author of four major veterinary textbooks on reptiles and amphibians. I hope you'll have as much fun listening to our conversations as we have had. We are proud to have ZooMed Laboratories as the sponsor of Exotic Pets. ZooMed has earned its reputation as the number one reptile company in the world, from simple beginnings 45 years ago as a passion project for one man, Gary Bagnall, who still runs it. ZooMed provides supplies and information for every imaginable exotic pet, particularly renowned as the world's expert on UVB and heat lighting. ZooMed manufactures all their reptile supplies, accessories, and tools, which they test on their own collection of animals, which surround everyone at headquarters. Well, here we are, folks. It's the very first time that you're going to get to hear Dr. Doug Mater, the world's leading authority on exotic pets. And find out, I'm going to be picking his brain, find out what we don't know and what we should know about living with these animals and giving them the proper life. Dr. Doug, as I mentioned in the intro, is the author of The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital, which has won a bunch of awards and is a fantastic book and should be required reading to be a listener to this show. But you don't really have to. You'll just have fun doing it. Doug, I think what what I really want to talk about in our very first episode is the vast difference between you and me, which I hope will resonate for the people listening. You are the man who literally knows it all and teaches others, other veterinarians and owners and zookeepers on how to look after animals that aren't dogs and cats, about which you also know many things, but other, other vets can do that. I, on the other hand... I'm fascinated by the people who want to own a boa constrictor or a ferret or a parrot or a bearded dragon even. I, I, I'm fascinated by the people. What is it about those creatures that makes them say, that's who I want to devote myself to. That's who I want to make my relationship with. Not to mention the pocket pets and the bunnies. So in your years of practice, as well as going to vet conferences and to vet schools and teaching the, the, the actual doctors. What is the animal that seems to be t- the most in need of being better understood in terms of how to provide for them? That's uh, First off, Tracy, thank you for this opportunity. I think it's great. You know, the human-animal bond is the reason I wake up in the morning, and that certainly extends well beyond dogs and cats. Um, so many people have the, the need to have companionship. And in today's changing world, especially high density living, you live in an apartment in a city, you may not be able to have a dog or That's a right. cat. And, you know, some places allow small birds, but, you know, a lot of places may allow a fish or a small reptile or a, a guinea pig. 
Um, so it's, it's important that we take the time to help educate people about this. And I, I just one quick correction, correction, and that is I am certainly not the world's leading expert, but I surround myself with a ton of really smart people, so I can certainly share information. And I will make you a promise, Tracy, and I'll make a promise to all the listeners that if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I promise not to fake it. I will look yes. it up and get back to you on That's it, okay? Great. That's very well that said, is, yes. That is and, something. I, and I want to say about the world's greatest, they're always humble. So, yeah, they always say, oh, it takes a village and I'm part of a team and everybody else is smart, too. But the fact uh, is, you're the go-to the guy. <laughs> definitely the case. Um, so to answer your question, you know, it's, it's boy, you know, there's so many, it's so complicated because it's like, I'm going to flip this over on you and I'm going to say, like, why do people buy a particular car? I heard once okay. that you don't buy a car because you're buying transportation. You're buying a car because you're buying an image. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I buy a sports car. I buy an SUV. I buy a pickup truck. Right. It's because that's the image that I want. So why do people get certain pets? Part of it is because they want that companionship. That's the transportation part of buying a car. Right. But the other part of it is they want that that image. Okay. I have a snake because I'm cool. I'm macho or whatever the case may be. Or I have a little mouse or I have a guinea pig because I'm cute and cuddly. Um, you know what? It's so individual. And, and when we're dealing with exotic animal pets and for the listener, I'm basically talking about anything other than dog and cat. Right. So we can start with rabbits. We can go to ferrets. We can go to birds. We can go to reptiles. We can go to fish. We can go to insects. There's dozens and dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of different types of exotic pets that we can keep as companions. So what attracts you to that is really going to be a personal taste, really is personal preference. And how much of it, I wonder, has to do with somebody's exposure to a certain animal? Because if you don't have a pet store near you, unlike dogs and cats, where the mantra has become don't buy in a pet store because those dogs and cats come from usually mass market breeders, farmers of dogs or cats, where these other species con- are considered, is is our pet stores, brick and mortar pet store, where people go to buy them? Or is there an online traffic? And is any of that illegal or immoral? Well, again, you know, we I didn't realize we were going to have a four-hour show today. (laughs) Um, Let's go back to your first comment that you made, which I thought was really important, and that is exposure. And I'll give you a couple quick examples of that. Do you remember the very popular TV show Friends? Yes, sure. Okay. Do you remember Ross had a pet monkey? I had forgotten that. He did. And back then, everybody wanted a pet monkey like Ross had, so people were running out like crazy buying monkeys. Well, they're not legal in a lot of states. And people would buy them anyway, or they would buy them, you know, on the black market. I mean, if you want, Tracy, if you want something bad enough, you can get it, um, especially if you have the money. Right. Um, so that's one example of exposure. People see it on TV. They think it's cool. They all want one. Let's jump, jump ahead and let's look at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, my God. Oh. After that movie came out, <laughs> we were seeing dozens and dozens of turtles every single week because everybody had to run out and buy a pet turtle. Oh, so exposure darned. is really huge. Um, the other thing is the pet store. Like you say, you know, uh, you know, if you have a pet store and the people who run the pet store know how to market, and just like when you go into the grocery store, you know, what do you see as you're in the checkout line? You got your candies right. and you got your magazines because you're checking out. You go, oh, look at the store in that magazine. I need to buy it. Oh, look at those M and M's. I need to buy yes. it. Yes. 
So if the pet store knows how to market and position the animals in a certain way, when people are walking through the pet store, as they're walking through, they go, oh, look at that cute guinea pig. Or, oh, you know, I, I think my daughter would love that little yes. pet leopard gecko. Yes. So a lot of it is going to be on marketing as well. And, I, and I, I think that's a really important point here because the last thing we want, it's one thing if you want to impulse buy a magazine. Okay, <laughs> yes. you it or even a, a car. Yeah, even a car. It's not a good thing to impulse buy a pet. So you're walking through the pet store. You went in there to buy some dog bones or a new collar for your, your dog, and you see this cool little leopard gecko, and you go, oh, I think my son or my daughter would love that. I'll buy one. Wait a minute. Are you set up? Do you have a cage? Do you have lighting? Do you have proper feed? Before you buy that leopard gecko and take it home and put it in a cardboard box. Yes. And that, I think, is where ZooMed comes in, who is our sponsor, is they've spent their whole lifetime as a company researching and creating environments for each of the different kinds of species, whether it's fish or reptiles or amphibians, so that it's correct for them. And it's not cheap, and it shouldn't be cheap. There's serious science behind it. So the cardboard box that you go home with, it's sort of like the leopard gecko costs, pick a number. I have no idea if it's $20. But you're in for hundreds of dollars to set up a proper life for them, and then you have to maintain it. And hello, how long do they live? I mean, you had a frog as a child, or a young man, I should say, that lived for 18 years. A frog. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, again, uh, the, the longevity really depends on the species. But to your point, we have a tendency to do things backwards when we impulse buy. Yes. In other words, we buy the leopard gecko or the bird or the ferret first, and then we go home, we figure out where we're going to put it, and we'll all stick it in the bathtub until I can buy a tank for yes. it, you know? Yes, yes. It should be the other way around. You should do your homework first know what you're going to need, what you're getting into, how long is it going to last. If I buy this tortoise, who am I going to put it to in my will? Correct. Um, And so I I think that's where our show is really going to make a difference because hopefully our goal is to help educate people and we get people excited about owning pets, but owning them the proper way and taking proper care and planning ahead. Now, I do want to make one point, and that is you, you made a comment about the cost and I think if you're going to go ahead and invest in something like a fish tank or a leopard gecko or a bird, you know, do it right. You know, don't be afraid, even if it means waiting a couple extra months so you can afford to get the proper cage and the proper lights, the proper water, the proper whatever you need, so that when you bring that pet home, you're giving it the proper environment so that it will last its full lifetime. Because if you look at lifetimes and longevities of animals in captivity versus animals in the wild, um, oftentimes animals don't do quite so well in captivity. We, we've talked about on other shows you've done about those little penny turtles. Yes. You know, back in the day, you'd buy one, it would last a year, it would die, then you go out and buy another one for whatever it was, 25 cents. That's not the way we should be doing things with any animal. So if we properly care for it by the proper cages, and you know, Zoo Med has a phenomenal assortment of, of terrariums and caging for these animals, um, and then once we reach that animal home, it can live 18 years like my frog did. Yeah, and, and have an ongoing relationship because, as you've often said, the human-animal bond is viable and important no matter who that animal is because that person is invested in the relationship. I, I say that my huge interest in these various animals was 
doubled or quadrupled by seeing the display of ZoomEd at Global Pet Expo. The environments were so startlingly beautiful and fascinating, and they gave these creatures places to climb and to hide and, and different humidity and I asked about the feeding, and each one had its own needs and its own kinds of food. Flower petals. It was really cool. I was just blown away by the exoticness of having an exotic. It was just different. It just demanded something different of the people. And I wonder when we talk about image, is that, does somebody want to say, I want to do something different than everybody else? I don't want to scoop a litter box. I don't want to pick up dog poo on the sidewalk. I want to watch this snake once a week, a month, whatever it is, eat the critter that I know I have to provide and see how that works, see how that species lives their life and gets nutrition. I think that your your point is so well taken about planning ahead. I mean, people don't have a human baby and then fix up the nursery. You buy all this stuff, you put it all together, you know when the baby's coming, more or less. And with animals, it's completely in your control when they come to you. So set up the nursery. I mean, think of taking in an exotic as a kind of nursery. You're bringing this creature into your home, which is not the right environment for them. So you have to create a little paradise for them within your home. How often do you think people do that, Doug? I, I don't think it's done nearly enough. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, it's, it's interesting because we, as we talk about this, I think of all the different aspects of owning exotic pets. And sometimes it's, you know, maybe it's it's the young high school girl that like has the boa constrictor and she likes having it wrap around her shoulders and holding it and showing it to her friends and um so there is that human animal bond and there is that that interaction and and snakes do recognize their owners um and then you go you, you take the leap and you look at something like uh an ant farm okay yes people keep ant farms yes. and they're fascinating and it teaches children especially uh, responsibility and caring and, and about biology and nature and zoology and everything else. Um, certainly you're not going to take those ants out and hold them, right? <laughs> you know, but there's a bond there yeah. that the child or, or the person has with that ant farm. Um, so sometimes we keep these exotics because we want the companionship. Sometimes we keep them because we want the knowledge that we learn from them. Sometimes we like it. We keep them because we like to have something that we can nurture. And then then kind of on the outside fringe would be the people that have them almost like art, like living art. Like, oh, wow. For instance, an aquarium. I mean, if you design and build a beautiful aquarium, I mean, it's gorgeous. I mean, there are people that spend thousands and thousands of dollars every month to maintain their aquaria. And look at these big hotels and restaurants yes. and stuff. How many times have you walked into a five-star restaurant and the centerpiece is this amazing aquarium? You know, that's not costing them $10 a month to maintain, you know, it's right. living art and yeah. it's beautiful and it's colorful and it's in constant motion and dynamic. And yes, there's a human animal bond there because there is a caretaker that takes care of that aquarium, but it's also something else. It's a piece of art. So there are so many different aspects of, of ownership of exotic pets. And snakes can fall in that category. There's a, a wonderful musical director called Alex Rybeck, who I read about in a really cool book called um, Uncommon People and Their Un Un Unconventional Pets. And he has a corn snake 
and I want to do a whole show on corn snakes, but Petula the corn snake, he was he li- he believes he's living with art. She's so beautiful, and the mm-hmm. the patterns on her look like abstract art. Her belly being different than her back, and there's and he does have her wrap around his neck like a scarf, and loves the feeling, but he views her as living art. So that's a really great point. That for some people, it's just the beauty of something so different than us. And yeah, that that goes back to the image thing about um, you know. Why did I, why don't I go down to Walmart and buy a picture for my wall versus say I can go out and buy a Mona Lisa? <laughs> so yeah, the corn snakes are, you know, for years and years, they were the most popular reptile pet. Oh, and interesting. nowadays, um, this is another show we can talk about. And the breeders are working with the genetics and they're breeding what they call different color morphs. And your, your typical corn snake is kind of an orange and brown patterned snake. And now they're coming in albinos, they're coming in pinks, they're coming in all wow. sorts of beautiful, incredible colors. And um, so, again, it's that living art we talked about. Well, I think that this is a great jump off to our show. And those of you listening who already have exotics, you're like, yeah, 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 we know why we like them. We get it. Oh, I guess maybe that's part of the reason, too. But you probably want a more of a dig down into specifics of exactly what is the right thing to feed your boa constrictor or when to feed them or when not to feed them. And by the way, we're completely against owning owning monkeys. So let's just say that. Too bad about friends, but that is like a real no-no for the show. So if you have a monkey, we I don't know. We're going to have to have a show and how to rehabilitate the people who have monkeys and find a different solution for their monkeys. But for the most part, we're here for all of you who have exotics or want to have exotics. And if you have questions for Dr. Dog, as he said, he's got the answers. And when he doesn't, he's happy to say, I will find out that answer for you. So go to the Exotic Pets page on Tracy Hotchner Pets, T-R-A-C-I-E-H-O-T-C-H-N-E-R Pets. I know, I think it should have been a much easier name for our website than (laughs) my name, but this is what the branding people wanted. You can type in on the contact page a question for Dr. Doug, and we will answer any and all of them on the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of this brand new show. And thank you yet again to Zoom Thanks in again, for Tracy. being our sponsor. And Doug, you're amazing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Exotic Pets, brought to you by the fine family of animal lovers at ZooMed Laboratories, where they make everything you could need to give your exotic its best possible life. Are you an experienced reptile snake breeder or gecko breeder, or are you looking to pick up your first pet bearded dragon? ZooMed is sure to have what you need so you can confidently care for your exotics. If you have a question for Dr. Doug to answer on the show, feel free to reach out to me on our contact page at tracyhotchnerpets.com, spelled T-R-A-C-I-E-H-O-T-C-H-N-E-R-Pets.com. Thanks for listening.